Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Welcome to episode 19 of the Husky International series and a long interview with free skier Sam Smoothie from Lake Wanaka in New Zealand. I met Sam at the opening of a new The North Face brand store right here in Stockholm and after a morning workout with a big group of people from the store we sat down at the restaurant of Sam's hotel for the interview. My name is Magnus Urmestad and this is the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Find more information about this episode and previous episodes at huskypodcast.com. Husky is recorded in cooperation with Lund Hogs. First time in Stockholm, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first time. But you arrived you arrived yesterday. Uh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Came over uh, yesterday afternoon, so mm-hmm. first impressions? Oh, had like the best Best meal of my life, possibly last night. Oh, really? Night. Yeah. At this hotel? No. no oh, no, went you went Adam up with uh, Erika and. Uh, yeah, yeah, with mm-hmm. the PR girls who are mm-hmm. lovely. And yeah, was, we had like reindeer, we had oh, really? oysters, we had uh, beef carpaccio, no, like tata. Like, it was phenomenal. It's just basic so, Swedish meal. It's like, yeah. it's not nothing special for us, like oh, an everyday man. course. No, it no. was. It was so good. <laughs> So, and like, I've been eating good on this trip, but that was the best one so far. Um, when you're not, when you are not out traveling, where is where is home? You would say. Cheers, bro. Home for me is like um, Wanaka, Wanaka, New Zealand. I've got a house there now, and it's where my family and lots of my friends are. But I kind of have like a second home in, in Verbier in the Alps. So for long, for for how long have you been? Going to the Alps? I've been going to the Alps since like 10 years now, I believe it is. So about that. So I I love the European style of uh, skiing and the the passion they have for it. And just the mountains are incredible. Uh, Is that Lake Wanaka? Yeah. Hmm? What kind of, of, because that's the the place where you grew up. (laughs) Yeah. And you reside now, you have a a house of your own. Yeah. Um, I went to school like half an hour down the valley. We, we had a house in Wanaka, um, it was like a holiday home, like a little batch, that's what you call it in New Zealand, and um, now the whole family lives there permanently, and, and I get six months, about six months a year there, and then the other six months I'm on the road. Um, growing, growing up in Lake Wanaka, what, what, kind of, what kind of childhood did you have? Oh, it was an amazing childhood. My, my parents are big, like, mountain people, like, adventure people, so... Like every weekend, we were off doing something fun generally, and we had kayaks. You know, in summer we'd be kayaking up the lake and camping or hiking. 
uh, winter was all about skiing like every day we could outside of having to go to school we were at, we were up the hill skiing and uh, just a lot of freedom and a lot of um, a lot of activity and adventure and yeah, it was an incredible childhood you never got into kind of a phase where you uh, wanted to rebel towards all that and like I'm moving to a big city I'm gonna become a <laughs> accountant <laughs> accountant <laughs> nobody ever wants to be an accountant that's not any good at anything else <laughs> um, I know I, ha I mean I had like you know t typical teenage rebelling kind of nonsense but um It wasn't really against like the activities. It was just just typical wanting more freedom kind of things and to make my own decisions. But uh, I sort of always loved skiing and, and getting out on adventures. So that's never changed. You've always felt at home in nature. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really a um, city person. I like I like the quiet and you know a few good friends and yeah, just pottering about life. the out outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, although I guess, you know, I get, I get tired of small towns as well, but um, I get to travel so much yeah. that it kind of counteracts it pretty well. <clears throat> uh, about your parents, because your father, he was kind of a, well, he, it was like back in the day, he was uh, kind of an alpinist, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Both like he was tra really traveling the world and, and yeah. climbing. So. Yeah, both of my parents um, loved climbing mountains and often together and... They would, uh, I mean, their dad went to South America three times. I think mum went there once. Um, so that was always a part of, like, being young was, like, they wanted to do the activities and and uh, to climb mountains. And they weren't very, like, aggressive, but they just loved being being out there and, you know, working their way up and down a mountain, you know. Where did that come from? I mean, looking at their childhood, I mean, they, because they grew up in New Zealand. Or yeah, they, and then they didn't have, they weren't born with parents like me. They, they sort of found it themselves. And I think it was um, it an era in New Zealand when it was like becoming more popular, uh, that whole mountain climbing side of things. And um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Like for them, I think it was just a personal choice, isn't it? That that's what they wanted to do, and, and for them it was probably more of a, a rebellion thing, going away from the, the standard Avoiding consumerist the man. life, and you know they had like okay job, but I mean they avoided the man, they kind of were the man. Like my dad was a worked at the worked at a bank, so he had like a very conformist kind of job, but then every weekend he could he was off climbing mountains and and having fun, so. I think like a bit of both worlds. Um, because, I mean, we have, I think in Sweden we have this vision of, of New Zealand as this land of adventure, like literally, like wilderness yeah. and adventure and mountains and so on. And I guess that's really becomes like literally a part of your DNA growing up, especially if you grew up in a, in a smaller village by yeah. a, the foot of a mountain. Yeah, I think like, I think New Zealanders <laughs> like to think in themselves as very like outdoorsy, Um, salt of the earth kind of types but, and, and I think like to some extent that's true but to you know we still have like the city people and you know the, the guys that wouldn't know how to skin a rabbit if you showed them <laughs> but um, like I think as a whole like New Zealand's maybe I think just because we have so few people uh, that getting 
out and into nature is is really easy. Like even Auckland, like our biggest and our only real city, has like beautiful beaches, you know, amazing rugged areas like within like an hour. So it's like it's a big city, but you can still get out and, uh, and explore. Uh, but back home, when you're back home, like what kind of like outdoor activities do you partake in? I mean, do you go hunting as well, fishing, and do all kinds of stuff? Um, yeah, like my sort of like main um, objective when I'm home is to try and surf as much as I can. Of course, yeah. um, I'm big into surfing now, but uh, really love rock climbing, mountain biking, and and those are like five minutes from my house, so it's like. Wanaka is like so cool that um, you can you can just do so many different activities in one day. Like on the way to the ski field, you pass by where you go rock climbing, so you can just you always have your climbing gear in the car, and if the skiing is no good, you go rock climbing, and then you get home, and you're like mountain biking trails are like two minutes away, so you're in the forest for a quick couple of hours, and then you can even go to like a there's like a man-made river wave now, so you can like surf a stationary wave. Um, But I did just get my hunting license, well, my gun license prior to leaving. So, um, yeah, the concept of going and foraging for my own food and meat is um, is a kind of new thing to me, but my dad was always into it, so hopefully he's going to take me and make sure I don't stuff it up. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully shoot a deer and not myself. <laughs> um skiing in New Zealand what what is what is skiing in New Zealand I mean is it is it common like do you, on schools you go on field trips on, or is it very depending on, dependent on where you live in New Zealand like where it's, you grew up it's pretty dependent on where you live um, it's not a big sport in New Zealand at all like rugby dominates everything in New Zealand um, even politics um, so where I the area where I would grow up you know you have ski trips you know like in high school we got to ski on Thursdays um, and then like you know, every like on the schedule yeah that well you had to sign up for that part of the curriculum but like it was pretty common that people wanted to do it and um, yeah but like outside of the, the few mountain areas like Wyman one and there's like two other kind of ones and which aren't that populated so it's not really a big part of New Zealand's culture but But um, the skiers that are there are pretty, pretty keen bunch. Like, yeah, they they sort of love like a lot of fun and don't take themselves very seriously. Uh, what well, what was it with skiing that got you hooked? When you got it, like, because I think I read somewhere that just like when you were just a couple of weeks old, yeah, your parents took took you out on the mountains. Like, yeah, I was like six weeks old. Shoved a, you in a backpack. In a backpack. Mum mum went skiing the day I was born. <laughs> and then they went home and had a party and she obviously wasn't partying but uh, dad was and she had to then drive the three hours to the hospital because uh, dad couldn't drive <laughs> and then six weeks later she was skiing again with me in a backpack so yeah it was just natural to me like it wasn't like any decision was made it was just that's what we do as we go skiing and you never turned your back on it no nah, i tried snowboarding once when I was a teenager, oh, like a couple of times, but I was, you know, didn't like being shit at it. <laughs> so I was like, nah. I still, I do go snowboarding a little bit, but uh, I've gotten a bit better. But um, I just, yeah, I was already good enough on skis that the concept of being a novice again wasn't appealing. And um, yeah, it was just natural. It was just always been there. And 
it's always been my sort of number one in my life. Um, did you have like local role models, or was it like Glenn Plake type of figures? I didn't really get. I didn't really get ski movies in New Zealand until like the die was cast already. To be honest, so, um, like growing up, it was like yeah, it was like local role models. Um, people like kids who went to the same ski field probably wouldn't even know like that young now but uh yeah it was like the local guys that are like older than me and wanted to be like them and and then conversely wanted to beat them in competitions so there's always been like a bit of a, a hierarchy and that's good you know like you're always having someone to look up for is up to is pretty good I think to motivate you and to and to learn from you know mm-hmm. The kids these days are like stupid good, and I think a bit because of that they look on YouTube. They, well, they, they like have like you know they don't have to like trial and error. They can be like that's how you do it, and then they learn you know they just learn by doing and like watching and they're just so good and bastards. <laughs> But are you in contact with? I mean, when you go skiing back home in New Zealand, do you ski to, you, like, you go to your home mountain, yeah, are you like, uh, a little bit uh, like a role model, do you have to sign autographs and uh, <laughs> standing in the line, or? Uh, weirdly, last year or two, I do, Who's that old I man? do sign, yeah, now I'm old, <laughs> I do sign the odd autograph at home, which never used to happen, but um, mainly just kids, but it's so cool in New Zealand, because it's so small. That you kind of know, you still even know the kids, and you know, and I, I help out in like the New Zealand Junior Tour, and so like see how they're going, and give them a few bits of advice. But like, you know, if they're on the right lap, you know, you just end up skiing with whoever's around. So sometimes we end up skiing with like 20 people in a rat pack, and it's like from like 40 down to like 12. You know, like <laughs> it doesn't matter as long as you're having fun. Um. When you were a teenager, like 15, 16, if I had asked you what did you want to become when you grew up, did you have like a plan back then? No, planning's never really been my forte. Um, when I was 15, 16, I was still trying to be a ski racer. Uh, Because you trained in a in a like alpine ski racing yeah, club. Yeah, 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 in the Wanaka Ski Club. Um, I only went as far as like first year fizz racing. And just kind of fell out of love with it, but uh, I had to think like the racing part of things. I just wanted to be like I, just, I was very competitive at that age, but um, I don't think I wanted to be a racer. But I, I enjoyed what I got out of it in terms of technique. But yeah, I don't think I don't think even at 15 that I thought I'd be a pro skier. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't po- really a thing then, though, like in New Zealand either. Uh, at that point, like you did your first, you did one year of, of fist racing. Yeah. Um, where was the free ride world to back then, for instance? Like, oh, there wasn't one. It didn't exist. Uh, God, so 15 years ago, 2000. Back then, they, I think they might have. They probably had like a free ski, the free skiing world tour. Like the, the American scene was a bit further along, um, and there was, I think, even maybe events in Alaska back then, which sounds pretty awesome. Like Valdez. Yeah, there was like the world skiing yeah. championship. I'm not sure how long that went for, but yeah. But so like there wasn't like this. But it was a thing. You were aware of it. 
Not really, no. <laughs> uh, as I say, pretty isolated in New Zealand, so like when I was like 15, I think it was about then I did my first freeride comp just for fun with some racer friends and um, that's and we knew there was the New Zealand Nationals, but that was about as far as the thought process went, you know. Yeah. But what um, your uh, how you ended up like being a free rider, like where did that where did that road start? Like what what steps did you take to? It, it wasn't like purposeful. It was like I quit racing because I was sick of getting screamed at. It was too regimented and there wasn't enough uh, from coaches enjoyment. And yeah. From, yeah. Um, I was like young. All the guys at my level were sort of older. So like uh, I got screamed at a lot because uh, they were trying to get to the Olympics and all I was trying to do was like not stuff up. <laughs> But um, so I, I quit that and then I did a couple of freeride events. Because like freeride, like yeah, like just local, just even just like around Wanaka. Um, and it wasn't like... I wanted to be a free rider but just like when we weren't racing there was only a couple of pieces at Triple Cone anyway my home mountain so like that's just that was just skiing that wasn't like we're going free riding it was like that was just what skiing was it was like jumping off stuff and playing around so I did that for like a season or two did you ever feel like you had a talent for it um or did other yeah. people tell you that you had a talent for it no I think It was like, I might have been 17 and like still competing as a junior, but uh, I got third at like the New Zealand Nationals and the Open Men and and there was like guys that had like one events in Europe and North America that competing, that got one and two and I was just behind them and I think I was like, oh, because I was doing slope style, I was doing half pipe, I was just doing everything because it was all new and it was all fun, but I think it was about then I sort of was like, maybe a little bit better at this than I am at spinning like a top so <laughs> yeah but I still didn't take it very seriously for a couple of years it was like too young and dumb <laughs> but it was just the fun for it the, it was just the, fun that's the just fun what of it. I enjoyed that, that doing the most inspired you you don't have a competitive side like oh I'm very very competitive person um, but towards others or compete like do you compete against yourself or that's a very uh Um, cliche well, question but but I mean it's against yourself like free rides against yourself kind of but like you know I get sometimes I get pissed when I'm like ah I could have just done that and won and that then that's kind of from other people so I don't like that bit so much about competing anymore but um I was I was always competitive like and if that was just whatever it was like it was triathlons i didn't want to ever come second, so it was always, yeah, run till you vomit kind of thing, which is why I hate running now. <laughs> <laughs> But you did that as well. You did triathletes. Uh, yeah, yeah mum and dad did triathlons, so I just did them and um, uh, won all of them that I went in. Um, but that was just because I just wanted to win. Um, <laughs> yeah, just liked winning. But um, that's why competing in freeride is so frustrating because it's so hard to replicate When you don't want to compromise, when you don't want to, say, be a tactic skier and like ski, when you just want to like win every event, every time, and ski at 100% all the time, it just doesn't work very well. And uh, it's, I guess there's so many uh, so many variables factor, exactly, you can't exactly. control, and um, 
yeah, it's, it's immensely frustrating sometimes. I mean, from the 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 course I mean the mountainside it will change from one hour to, to the <coughs> next I guess the sun, sun rises and so on and just like visual inspection you don't really see everything you only get limited like angles of vision and then like so sometimes you come into a feature at speed and you're like what the what is this <laughs> and you're just flying into the air like ah oh, crap this wasn't what I thought it was at all so there's all those little things that still like, no matter how much experience you get, if you're going to ski 100%, you know, you're going to make some mistakes. Yeah. Unless you like Mr. Perfect, like Rainer. So <laughs> I don't have that kind of consistency. <laughs> But um, I mean, if you if you Google Sam Smoothie, you will see that that line in uh, Andorra. I do land some lines, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is that um, is that your style of writing? Like, not really. Going big or like? Uh, I think it's my style in that it's on my on my limits. Um, it was complex. There was um, quick turns that had to be made. I was you were getting funneled the wrong way. There was like, I think it had like the full range of I think like ski ability like you had to stomp you had to make critical turns very had to be very precise and um, yeah but I don't think it's necessarily like I had to go fast a lot of the time and that wasn't very fast just because you but because you have a racing background I mean yeah. that's that's to your benefit like yeah big big nice fast turns yeah and um, it's like harder to process fear when you're going fast because you don't have <laughs> the time <laughs> but that 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 line that winning line in Andorra that's that must have gone like exactly the way you visioned it because it's, yeah you didn't like on some parts you literally had like zero margins for errors yeah um, that that was interesting like I that that wasn't like the standard for me like that was something special in that like Often when I pick a line, I like to see a zone, and I'm like, that's what I want to do. And I'm like, I look at other options, but I kind of generally come back to that first thing. And I saw that zone and was like, oh, I want to go in there. But it took ages to work out. And I spent way more time than normal and put way more effort in. Like, I climbed these rocks to, like, get another viewpoint from another... Like, I did all kinds of weird shit. There was, like, a snowstorm in the way, like... And I think just, like, my headspace was different as well. Like, I was tired of the the world tour and tactics and almost like a little bitter and I just wanted to like throw a Hail Mary and um, it went really well because, <laughs> which is uh, good because I mean when you when, when you when you left the uh, when you left the gate you kind of you kind of uh, cruise cruise closer to the to the cliffs where you drop yeah. in and but you had no hesitation at all like you knew that the second you left the gate you knew this is the line I will ride or yeah yeah Otherwise, um, it's not possible. To. No, you, yeah, you need to make that decision. Some people are good at like changing their minds. I have not really been that good at it. Um, I like to commit about four minutes out, so then I like can run through in my head exactly what I'm doing, each turn, each little marker, have it all visually mapped out in my head, watching it go perfectly. But um, 
that was one of the few ones that went like exactly as planned so but is that um, a feat for you like are you mentally would you say that you're mentally strong that way the same way that you can run until you puke like being staying mentally strong in the in a race like that I think it kind of I, I can be I think it depends like how, like on the face uh, I struggle sometimes trying to force myself on smaller less exciting faces for instance I'm a big face I like big face or like open fast all that high consequence kind of stuff but um when when the motivation's there when like I'm excited about the face and I'm like I think I have uh, a mental strength and, and like once I decide that I can do it just like backing myself to go 100% and, and doing it and like holding to that like despite all the delays and all the waiting around and stuff just like I think I've worked on the years on my mental A lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Skills, I think they, they play pretty well. Um, going back to... Um when you got into the like the international free ride scene like this thing with getting sponsored um what came first did you get like local sponsorships in new zealand before you went international or did you save up money to go and make a name for yourself or how does it work um i lucked into like sponsors uh they have changed but like from about 16 um But in New Zealand, it's such a small industry that it's like, you know, gear. Yeah. And um, by the time it came, I came to be like 19, 20 and traveling. Um, I mean, at the time I had like one of the better deals. I was head to toe uh, and I got like maybe 3,000 New Zealand dollars was my budget, which is about 15 euros. Um, it's about 1500 euros but um, yeah I would then like work jobs like I worked so many different jobs I would save up all my money I would go to Europe I would spend it all I would rack up credit card debt and then I'd go back to New Zealand and I'd work all the time and uh, pay it off and uh, every year it got like worse and worse <laughs> so that like I'd be paying off my debt and then leaving for Europe in a month you know and then like I'd be coming back and I'd like owe like $20,000 which is like was my annual income at the time and I was just it was like it got to the point I was like if I'm not making it anytime soon I'm quitting because it was like as a drain <laughs> I'd been throwing money at for ages so but then you were on the uh, by that Red point I got to the world tour yeah, yeah. and um, like my first major sponsor Vocal picked me up couple years before that and they've supported me through all that and and they were they were good but uh but they still are really good but you like that of course you can't say no 
<laughs> but <laughs> did you did you like that part of the uh, part of your life, like working with sponsors? I guess now it's you don't have to chase that much. You kind of you have your setup. But yeah. do you like that part, like working with sponsors and everything from like social media stuff to events such as this one today? And it's not a what do, what do you get from that? I think it's it's cool because you get to like meet a whole range of people. Um, it builds, I think it builds skills in you in terms of um, how to deal with people, how to work with people. Uh, all these things being super useful after, you know, during and even almost more so after you're done being an athlete. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I think with my sponsors, I'm really lucky. Are the sponsors I really believe in? Uh, the gear, the companies, and uh, that makes it so much easier to, um, yeah, be happy with what you got and to like truly believe what you're saying about the product and about the companies. Uh, like this morning, we had a we had this like one hour workout with um, the the new North Face store here in Stockholm, and uh, on the warm up, I think I overheard you talking and you said to someone that you haven't experienced like an autumn in like 10 years or something yeah yeah i haven't had autumn and or a summer and uh, i was 17 because i met not 12 years is is, is, <laughs> is that a thing because I, i remember i talked to uh, another guy from new zealand some yeah. some years ago and he he was like chasing this never-ending winter like mm. going from the southern hemisphere up to the northern hemisphere yeah. and that has been your lifestyle or that yeah, is your that's lifestyle. been my life for over 10 years um yeah it's like europe december through to like june new zealand like july to december so it's always getting warmer Which is good, you know. You never get the days getting shorter. The days are always getting warmer. Um, it's always winter or spring, never fall or summer. Um, But you miss that at all? I miss summer a lot. But I mean, now I'm in a point where I'm a bit luckier. I get to go on like a surf trip or two and have like a quick one month summer here and there. Because yeah. um, you do miss it. People are always like, oh, Lake Wanaka must be so nice in summer. I'm like, yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> I don't remember. 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, when I was a child. <laughs> um, but this part, because now the last couple of years, I guess you have been traveling quite a lot, like um, exploring new places and all. Um, are there big differences? Do you see that there are big differences between like ski communities and ski culture and the I don't know the kind of social energy if you compare Europe to the US to New Zealand? Oh yeah, huge differences. Huge differences. Like I love like the European style. How like there's like minimal avalanche control. You, you're allowed to go and make your own like decisions. For better or worse, you know. Um, uh, but then, like the Europeans, can be like a bit more serious, and then like Americans are a bit more like. We're talking stereotypes here, of course, but like a lot of like my American friends are like much more relaxed and like ski party kind of lifestyle. Like, all really love like the whole thing, and uh, I think. <laughs> Kiwis are just like way too excited about mildly average conditions. <laughs> you know, there's all the, there's heaps of differences. You know, like um, 
that's what I think it's amazing about it. Like you go to Japan and like they have such reverence for like powder skiing and in the trees and it's it's very zen like and then like you know you go to Chamonix and it's like you're the odd guy out if you don't have an ice axe and crampons and enough rope to strangle a paddock of horses and <laughs> all kinds of, like and that's what's so cool about it. you go to places and the style's different the culture's different and what do you pick up like um, have you changed a lot like over the ten e- over the last 10 years or something have you uh, become more of a <coughs> European you, have you yeah like I hate I hate going to America and like <laughs> no I mean I love I love America but I hate going there and they're like you can't ski that it's closed I'm like why <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can ski it um, you know so like, I, I think I've definitely like leaned towards like the European side but um I like to think like I still go home to New Zealand and it's like 10 centimeter powder day and I get excited with the boys. Maybe not as excited as they are, but like I mean I've been so spoiled the amazing places I've skied, but I still think some of me stayed the same. That I love being at home and skiing crap snow and having fun with it. You know? But is that is that a is that a negative side to your lifestyle? Like becoming jaded, sort of like if it's not like waist deep powder, it's. But can you still appreciate like a like like an, an average day out or like crappy weather and like white out? And I think you can you can get jaded like you get so tired and run down and hurt. We're just sick, sick of being hurt or others getting hurt and all that emotional trauma stro- like stress. But like I think I'm lucky in coming from New Zealand. Like everyone's like just like bro you're being a dick <laughs> it's an awesome, they take you down it's like a in sunny a sunny day who cares if the snow is icy you know let's have fun mm-hmm. and that's cool like you know no one treats me different at home because I'm like a professional skier I'm just one of the one of the lads that goes skiing and and like that's cool so I think like it keeps you pretty level like I think it's still weird to me it's still weird to me that I'm like a professional athlete like saying those words makes me want to cringe like it doesn't sound <laughs> like you know me um you mentioned the uh, kind of the dark side of this world like with the casualties and the dangerous side does that get to you like uh, because I'm sure you have probably unfortunately like many friends like co- people close to you that's not here today because of Yeah. What does that do to you? Makes you just want to like stay inside and not do anything remotely dangerous. It's pretty tough, like, and like the longer you're out there, like, the more they kind of mount up, and it's not like they get better. It's like it's, it's, I feel like they get worse, and they 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 feel like they're more frequent, even though they might not be. But it just kind of builds on you this weight and um, become like it's hard to not become like fearful and uh, and scared but um, how do you handle it because you still have to uh, I tell you, not have I mean you, you still go on on these trips and these expeditions it, it so. comes back you know you, the desire comes back it's who you are it's part of who I am And as hard as that is, you know, you've made, you know, you've made your choice. Um, <coughs> so you just, I think you just got to give yourself time and process the grief and and um, yeah, ask those questions. Is this what I want to do? And if the answer is yes, then you've just 
got to make sure you're making the right decisions and those around you are and do everything you can to make sure you come home safe and thinking yeah, back thinking try and educate yourself and people yeah I think thinking back have you done a lot of like stupid decisions uh, I have no idea how I survived the first few years in Europe I don't know what an avalanche was coming from New Zealand like we have like all our mountains are controlled and like I believe since then there's been such a a large scale shift to like being smarter doing your courses having the gear even just like I mean there's still people out there making dumb decisions um, but yeah I'm pretty thankful that the friends that like show me Europe and and the ways how, how it rolls um, kept me out of trouble to a large extent um, and uh, I'm here at this point Is that a knowledge uh, that you want to transfer to like for instance kids in Lake Wanaka yeah and do you do that yeah for sure um, like I've been part of like the the junior tour there and you know we start with like safe decision making in terms of like just how you're skiing like wearing a helmet not doing things that are like outside your your ability and just like taking your steps just evaluating safety and like trying to have that as being normal you know that you're like you're not just some wild child throwing yourself off rocks and then you know just having it that like there's me I've got my stuff I'm like talking to the patrollers and just like trying to normalize the whole regular way and like when they come out to Europe taking the ones that I'm with aside and, and just being like explaining the situation and and it's kind of weird because <laughs> you say some like you know you have to say some kind of weird things like I don't want to have to call your parents <laughs> but it's like in a serious concept because you're talking about calling them and telling them they don't have a son anymore and uh, it's kind of scary and it feels like a responsibility but I think it's important to be like to impart that this is serious even though it's a lot of fun this is serious and they need to even though they might only be 16 they need to treat it as their responsibility to go out learn the stuff ask the questions do the work and, and become a safe rider and not just some hooligan um, going back to um, traveling uh, you have been skiing in North Korea yeah yeah and it's a movie that's like released this week I yeah think. Uh, it's releasing tomorrow yeah called it the North Korean Chronicle <laughs> and uh, that was definitely one of the weirdest trips of my life but such a privilege I guess you'd say to witness a, such a new country to skiing and despite all the you know obvious social issues and political issues surrounding such a place you don't have an uh, ambitions to become like the Dennis Rodman of the free ride world tour I had thought I should get my nose pierced <laughs> no but he went to and he went yeah, to North Korea and yeah. hung out with Kim Jong-un Yeah, I don't know about, I don't know, like, it might sound like calling the kettle, pot calling the kettle black, but, like, I don't know, there's, there's a lot I disagree with about North Korea, um, but still there's huge. and there was definite doubts as to whether we should go there even, but or, how did, we, I mean, did they invite you? No, no, so we weren't, like, we paid a tour company to take us in there, 
they knew we were going to be filming, but it's not like we were their guests. We just went on a private guided tour, very guided tour. They only show you what they want you to see, and you don't get to see anything else. But um, it was a hell of an experience, and uh, it definitely like definitely just made me like doubt a lot of like you know you have you have these preconceptions that you don't even notice you have perhaps and I think it just made me try and be a bit more open and um, it was a really good like learning process because like you have you have no idea until you go and, and we didn't see anything of the country really in terms of what the real issue is there and what's going on but um, yeah uh, I think I regretted not going because it was a, it was a lot of fun and uh, it, it definitely like challenged my views. But wasn't it like super difficult like filming like they had to check no, your cameras had, and everything? Yeah. And well, we we had like two minders with us at all times, and were they good skiers? No, but they, they were <laughs> only one of them skied. But like, she was like doing pretty good for like her second day ever, I think it was, um, and was like really keen and enjoyed it and, and it was just cool seeing people like a whole new culture embracing skiing and just having fun you know you have this idea of like North Koreans and there they are just like normal people having skiing, fun yeah. falling over being idiots on snow you know like that's cool like it humanizes them but uh, traveling as a skier is that a that's a nice way of traveling and because you get these meetings that you wouldn't get yeah and you have like a common ground to talk on and you know like it's just yeah I think it's I think apart from carrying around like 60 kgs worth of gear it's awesome like a great way to see the world and to meet people that share a similar passion <laughs> yeah um there's I talked to um I think it was Kai Sakrison and uh he had this theory that people in the US uh tend to like skiers in the US they see Their goal is to get famous through films, yeah. and writers in in Europe they, you know, they they race to become famous. Like uh, they they want to enter the like free ride world to get famous. Yeah. Um, and now you're kind of bridging that because you 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 start to enter the film world as well. Um, but is is that do you think that's true? Like um, in the U.S., writers are more focused on like their goal is to end up in film big productions. And yeah. I don't know if that's even down to the writers themselves. It might be. Um, oh yeah, the sponsors. Just kind of the way the, the market and the sponsors are aligned and arranged um, would have a large influence on that. I mean, like I'm a competitive person. I love competing, but like someone says you want to just go fire on a helicopter and ski a whole bunch of bunch of powder. Yeah, <laughs> to say no to that, eh? You don't even have to like compete, you know. Like, so yeah, I think it's interesting, and I think it is kind of like lined up that way. Uh, because now you've been working with TGR as well. Yeah, yeah, I've had one season working with Teton Gravity Research, and yeah, it was pretty mind-opening what skiing with that crew like that might be like. And uh, was it like? Well, what, oh, what was it like to come into? They were like, I never felt like the new guy at all. I've, I've known a number of them for quite a while, but never really that close. But uh, yeah, they just were super welcoming, 
the most like professional crew I've worked with in terms of like everyone knows exactly what they're doing and how to do it. But then like just super fun as well, like lots of good banter, lots of laughs, lots of silliness, like it just it fit me perfectly, like I was really impressed. And then they have a really good snow safety attitude as well, like spend the money and the time to like make sure they're like on point and because uh, that just comes down to getting the shots as well in the end so yeah I was really excited about that what well, can you uh, tell me about the movie and about your sequence um, or sequences yeah the movie is uh, Teton Gravity's 21st birthday so it's kind of like a celebration there's a bit of old footage chucked in there there's some pretty funny uh, like old hotel scenes of them being bad boys um <laughs> And it's just, I just think it's its a very real representation of, like, the fun of skiing. Like, it doesn't take yourself very seriously. There's some super gnarly high-end action, but it's not, like, overly dramatic Travis Rice kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, my section I'm really happy with. I did a 10-day trip in the Neocolas, they call, like, in Alaska, they call Fantasy Camp, where we, like... We're like pimp camping, which was <laughs> sick. And we had two helicopters, and they were with like Sage Catabriga, Angel Collins, and Nick McNutt, who are all like awesome human beings and super rad skiers. And we just had like the most fun you can have on earth. And I think that comes across in the film. And we got to, yeah, just got to ski some gnarly mountains, hang out in a camp, goof around. Yeah, it was like the time of my life. Um, so what's in store for this this part of your winter year? Like, do, do you uh, are you participating in the are you racing in the uh, world tour again? I've pulled out of the world tour for 2017. My shoulder's not going to be fixed in time. Oh yeah, you pulled a so, you messed yeah, up a muscle. I've I fully ruptured my pec major, so I tore it off the tendon. So I had that um, kind of screwed back on and stitched on two months ago so it's a long recovery it's like six months so hoping to be okay to film by like mid-February but I just thought I'd take the chance to yeah just film ski for my first ever season and uh, see if that's gonna make me happy and uh, see if I can uh, yeah do without competing and perhaps um put a, a month or two of summer in there something yeah I think cause it's gonna be like <laughs> My show's gonna take some time. I'm gonna get like a bit of summer in January for the first time in yeah, 12 years. So, and then I'm gonna have a, have a pretty long winter, I think. Like push into June, try and organize some ski mountaineering trips for June, and then like have a have a bigger than normal New Zealand winter. And yeah, it'll be good. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, no worries. Best of luck with the recovery. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> You can find Husky on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the handle Husky Podcast. Husky is made in cooperation with Lund Hogs and it is produced by Husky Productions. The music is made by Joel Mull. <laughs> <laughs>